Welcome to the Art of Humanity with Jessica Ann. Listen for fresh perspectives with artists, leaders, authors, and entrepreneurs. Explore creativity and consciousness. Evolve your business with the Art of Humanity. Now, here's your host, Jessica Ann. Welcome to another episode of The Art of Humanity, where we explore creativity and consciousness to allow you and your business to evolve. Today, I'm thrilled to have with me Annie Syed. Annie has been telling stories since she was eight years old. She has a Bachelor's of Arts from the University of Kansas in English Literature and International Studies, and her Master's in Secondary English Education from City College in New York, where she was a New York City Department of Education teacher. She then went on to receive her JD from CUNY School of Law in New York and then completed a clerkship for a judge. She remains an activist in projects involving human rights in the United States, Africa, and Asia. She's working on finishing a novel and other short stories. She calls New York City home, although she lives a bicoastal, transcontinental life, practicing yoga as often as possible. Annie, thank you so much for joining me today on the show. Yes, well, thank you so much for having me. How exciting. What a great vision you have for this project. Thank you. Annie, one of the things that I love about you, one of the many things I love about you, is just your words. You're so honest. You're so raw. And there's just such a such an immediacy to when I read your words. It just like hits straight to my heart. <laughs> um, and you've actually oh, wow. been one of my inspirations to write. When I came across your website years ago, um, I just saw how you were able to articulate and express yourself in such a meaningful way. And it really inspired me to want to write again, which I hadn't done in years, <laughs> probably since like first grade. <laughs> um, wow, that's Wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, you really bear your soul in a way that's rare and admirable. Were you always this comfortable expressing yourself or did it take you some time to ease into your true expression? Um, I think I was always comfortable expressing myself. I think I've always been writing. I've always used words. I can't draw, okay? I can't even draw stick figures properly. (laughs) And um, trying to make sense of uh, the thoughts that are in our head so as so as somebody else can understand us, um, is, um, you know, something that I've actually struggled with, not in the sense that the words don't come easily, but for whatever reasons, it was, it's always been so important to me for, um, other people to be able to understand what I'm trying to say, um, perhaps because of, um, I guess I just feel so, I feel understood when I read words that make sense to me and they kind of bring everything together for me um so um i think practice you know uh, practice has something to do with it too but yeah ever since i was um um, younger telling stories with words um but writing portion i think um you know yeah ever since i was very little i think i mean looking back on it but the practice of it more so as i grew older And can you describe the practice of it? I know that you're a writer and the writing quote-unquote practice gets talked about so much. I'm always curious to kind of learn more (laughs) about how, you know, you execute your writing process and your practice. Well, there's, um, I've, you know, I've led uh, two, I've never seen myself as a writer because I think um, a lot of other people have this notion that a writer does nothing but writes in some room and looks out a window and then goes on a reverie and a walk and um and or and and perhaps all of that is not true but (laughs) I've 
never had that kind of life, so I never assumed. Um, I, I never assumed I was a writer. I never saw myself as a writer. I think about it now, and you know, it can come across as kind of um, you know being rejectful of those who do claim themselves to be um, writers. And I don't intend um, that when I say that. What I mean by that I'm not a writer is that. Um, you know, I do lots of other things and I've had a chance to do nothing uh, else but write uh, for like a year and a half. Um, I mean, I did odd jobs, odd gigs, tutoring um, and part-time work and, uh, you know, to pay bills because I wasn't getting any advanced, um, like advanced checks or anything. And then I've also had the life of working full-time, um, working with children, teaching them creative writing, thinking and um teaching and trying to carve out time to write while you have a full-time job. So um, I think, I don't know when, but I feel like at some point, um, maybe due to our lack of knowledge um, coming up, you know, publicly sharing information since social media came out to be, or perhaps um, uh, maybe some people have never known, but most writers were always, you know, doing other things too. Um, and so in that regard, I feel like, you know, the writing process is going to be different for everybody and um, depends on what kind of job they have, what kind of um, other family responsibilities they have. I know people who get up, you know, at midnight and write. And then I know people who come back from work and they go for a jog and they write. And sometimes some of us can only write on the weekends. And I feel like, I've been all of those people in the last four years. Um, I could write whenever I wanted. I slept whenever I wanted. I wrote whenever I wanted. And then I have also been the person who could only write on Saturdays and Sundays. But the important thing is to just keep writing, I think. That's the most important thing, regardless of um, how it's happening or where it's happening and, and also however little is happening. Yeah, speaking of Sundays, I remember when I stumbled on your weekly blog post called Still Sundays. I mean, I would look forward to your articles each week. I mean, can you tell me a little bit about the inspiration behind that series um, and why you wanted to really create the magic um, through words and name it Still Sundays? Oh, because Sunday was the only still day I had. (laughs) (laughs) And it was the only day that, you know, I could wake up in the morning as quietly and slowly as I wanted and... um, I was living such a fast-paced life on Monday through Saturday, and this is in New York. And one morning I woke up and I went for a walk, and the city was just quiet. It was so quiet. And I saw the city as if seeing it, you know, New York for the first time. And I was like, wow, I have been missing out on half of the city. And... um and that made me, you know, reflect that maybe I had been missing on half of my own thoughts. And so I just wrote like a small email, I think it was, um, to my mom. Uh, this is before my website or blog or anything like that. I wrote an email and I said, uh, what a still Sunday. And I just wrote about stillness to her. And she said, oh, that's just wonderful. All these thoughts that came to your mind, you should do this more. And more didn't happen. It was could only happen on Sundays. And so... Um, I was doing that before I, you know, uh, started my website or blog, but eventually I was like, oh, well, I'll create a category for that too, like share my writings on Sundays. And, um, 
And yeah, so, you know, because it's, um, there's a stillness on a Sunday morning for everyone, everywhere. One of the things that I love that's on your website is that it says, quote, I claim communities and not countries wherever I wander and the energy feels home. There's yes, so much simplicity yeah. and truth to this thought. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about why you feel that you're almost like a nomad in a sense? I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, I'm like a lot of Americans, but I'm, a, you know, um, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a second generation American. So I, and then my family is very different from most Southeast Asian families. Um, and then my roots are not even Southeast Asian. They're just, um, you know, there's just a multiple, um, multiple different different ethnic backgrounds and for so long I was trying to define that you know am I from the Middle East or am I a Pakistani or am I American am I a New Yorker am I um, from Kansas am I brown am I white am I um, you know just uh, just in terms of identity I think and that's everybody who has had an immigrant experience um in this country or another country goes through, I think most people give up or give in. And I didn't want to do either. Um, and I felt that, you know, um, you know, I could, I, I felt like um, if I could connect with people as a human being and they could see me as a human being, that maybe it wasn't just about where I was from. And so, if some place, including of my own ethnic background, um, several ethnic backgrounds, if it doesn't feel, the people don't feel right, or it doesn't feel like home, I'm not going to associate with it, you know? Um, so yeah, I think, um, I think that's kind of what I meant by it, that um, so often, especially in the field of education, uh, recently I um, at my previous job, I had um, an educator who said, you know, oh, I couldn't teach where I teach if, um, if this wasn't my community. And I didn't understand her. So essentially what this educator was saying was that if the children were not the same um, ethnic background, um, skin color, whatever, however you want to define the difference here, weren't the same as um, her, she would have a very hard time giving so much. And I can't even imagine that, especially as an educator or as, um, you know, of when we say the word community, you know, community just means communal, you come together, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, so that, that's kind of what I meant by that. And what, is, what does that word mean to you? Because I know that word gets tossed around a lot so much, especially in the social media world. Um, and there's just, I feel like there's so much more of a deeper layer to community. So I'm just curious, what does that really mean to you? Yes, um, I think that a sense of communities, you know, when I think of the word community, I think of um, um, not the TV show. <laughs> you know, Although that is an awesome show. <laughs> very, yes, very sad that it's gone in the direction it has and disappeared and all of that. But agree. Um, it was a very clever show. But um uh, when I think of community, I think of, um, you know, people being able to come together um, to help one another um, as and when needed. Um, I think the part that's missing from social media is that as and when needed. I think um, 
it's a very, um, I don't, I don't think community is a tit for tat kind of, um, in a kind of an environment. Um, community means being able to, um, be yourself, be an individual and you're respected for that. And at the same time that you as an individual are able to help another group of people and vice versa. Uh, we need each other, but, you know, um, but sometimes in order to grow, um, it can be challenging within a community and we have to separate from a group because I don't think group is necessarily community. Um, so community can be of two people. Community can be of um, being able to call out on resources when needed that, hey, I haven't spoken to you in two or three years. I haven't retweeted you. I haven't emailed you. I haven't, you know, but I'm doing this. And I think you might be someone who can help me with that. Um, are you on board? Yes. Let me see who else I can put you in touch with. Or no, I can't because I have this going on. I think that's community, you know? Yeah. So do you think that being a writer today automatically makes you a part of a community in the sense that a writer shares his or her thoughts online? Or do you think that being a writer is almost mutually exclusive from being in a community? Wow, that's a really, really good question. And um, I really like that question a lot. Um, I think... No, I do not think that being a writer of, of any genre um, in any medium automatically includes you as part of some community because people are either reading or sharing your work or, or writing the same thing as you even. Um, I think um, it can give us a false sense of community, I think, um, a perfect example would be um, on March, around March 6th or 7th, I went to a writing conference and then it was for children's literature. It was for, um, you know, young adult fiction and children's literature. And um, uh, it was um, put on by the Andrea Brown Literary Agency. And in order to get accepted, uh, you had to submit the first few chapters and um, like a query letter for, you know, so they knew that you were serious and I guess if they could even help you. It's a very helpful agency and very prominent children's literary agency. Uh, that being said, it's not the only one, but, you know, it's a good one. And um, I went to it and there were lots of wonderful writers there who have been at this um, writing business for a very, very long time. And I met wonderful people. And yet I did not, quote, quote unquote, click with uh, but one person. And all of them gave me their cards, uh, the, the, the people that I met. Uh, they gave me their networks, the social networks, and uh, other networks, too, to join. That um, here we can meet and uh, we will do this and we put on readings and we do... Um, we meet for different conferences and we workshop and we, we do all of these things. And I think that if, if that's what your definition of a community and writing is, um, sure, perhaps it automatically, the word be being a writer automatically lends oneself to such just by showing up. But I think um, generally speaking, um, not so much. Um, I think it would be no different than me saying that, you know, somebody who is... Um, helping businesses navigate social media 
um, is um, themselves, um, they love to um, equally connect with everybody who's doing that, you know, because, for example, I think of you and the work you're doing and how you connect with different businesses and different projects and different things that you're doing. I don't know very many um, others who had the same vision as you. And so just because you are doing what you're doing doesn't automatically kind of, you know, um, give you a sense of community that you are part of a community who's doing the exact same thing because you're not doing the exact same thing. And, uh, and I mean, we wouldn't be talking if you were doing the exact same thing. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. I think that there's different layers and dimensions of people that you don't always see um, when, you know, you meet people at these workshops, you know, you're, you're with them one-on-one in their presence or in a group with the, in their presence. And there's this sense of community in the, in the moment and yes. you never really know how that's going to pan out in the future. Um, very, very well said. Exactly. And, and I, and I, yeah, so maybe there are different definitions of community. Sure. I think, um, that's uh, the, the, that's the best way to put it. Yes. One of the ways that you totally stand out in your own right is your book, a collection of auguries. Um, it's one of the most mesmerizingly beautiful works of art. And, oh, it's so much. And it yeah. is art. I mean, it, it really it has the word augury in the title. And <laughs> that by <laughs> itself is just such a beautiful word. Uh, can you describe what an augury is and why you decided to use it as part of the name in your book? Yeah, sure. Um, I uh, There's actually a um, whole story, a whole essay behind it, but I won't do that to you right now. Um, augury just means sign. And um, there is a uh, poem by William Blake called Auguries of Innocence. And um, I met um, these uh, two wonderful ladies in um, Harlem, who were pro- Harlem, New York, who were promoting their book. And this, I think, is in 2008. And we completely clicked, and it was, um, wow, yeah, now I'm thinking about, uh, yes, it was April 2008, and it was at um, Harlem Vintage Wines that doesn't um, exist now, but uh, they were doing a book signing, and I completely clicked with um, one of them. We're still in touch, and she's uh, part of, uh, she owns um, a very big um um, PR company um, and she had written her story and she just said I think the time is now there's a sign there's a time is now for you to write your book and don't you believe in signs and I said yes um, I should and just after that after after the word sign um, a series of um, you know, very serendipitous things continue to happen until I said, you know, it's going to be called a collection of signs because um, they are, the you know, they're fiction pieces and there are a bunch of short shorts. They are not, you know, uh, knowing what I know now and uh, the feedback I have received, um, they don't necessarily fit in the traditional form of uh, like what a traditional short story might be um, but um, they are signs of what's to come perhaps from me perhaps all around I don't know <laughs> um, and so yeah that's how it came together but a woman she said sign and we started talking about William Blake's um, poem um, and and that's how it kind of came together <laughs> 
there's such a richness and depth to each one of those stories that it really makes me wonder, where do you get your inspiration from? Because each story is just so brilliant on its own. You know, each one carries so much wisdom and insightfulness that I just have to ask you, how did you get inspiration to write these series, the series of short stories? Oh, that's going to be a boring answer. Most of the stuff just came to me like in a dream. Um, I know that sounds so wild, but like... That's not not boring at all. That's cool. (laughs) It's fascinating. It's a very quick answer. Like uh, then, I I mean, I would have a dream and then, you know, it would be, I would be curious. And then throughout the day, uh, this, you know, when I was writing, I was still in New York and throughout the day, a series of things would happen that would just connect them and I would come home and do some research and like, is this word mean this? Does, you know, did Da Vinci say that? And a bunch of things would just, and I would just go on this mad hunt of trying to connect these signs, um, which I guess I've never shared before until now. And I would connect these signs and then I would exhaust myself and just write down a bunch of things that didn't connect and just fall asleep. And then in my, I would wake up and everything would just connect and I would just write it one draft out. That's it. Um, that is not to say it was not, it did not go through a heavy editing process, but I'm just saying that the initial draft would, would come out very clean and just out there. My friend and author, Lucy uh, Pollard Gott, she says, um, they're almost like a downloading <laughs> and, you know, and I think that's, that's correct. So I wouldn't even say, um, inspiration um but like a downloading and a connecting of a bunch of different signs that make sense to me in a really weird way I guess (laughs) that's definitely one of the things I noticed for sure in in your writing I mean your friend Lucy in the forward writes the stories and collection of auguries are short energetic frisions that to shake the mind emotions and senses out of their usual ruts they prove Mm -hmm. both disquieting and thrilling Others are longer explorations of territory ranging from modern nurse psychology to Egyptian mythology, beautifully interconnected by themes of memory, identity, and the phantom bits of consciousness that reappear in our dreams. Wow. (laughs) Something like that. Yes. It makes much more sense when somebody else can kind of define what you can't. So it's, you know, um, yes, it's kind of like showing me in the mirror, like this is what they look like. And I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Phantom bits of consciousness that reappear in our dreams. Wow. Consciousness is such a big thing. I mean, I think that there's a kind of a wave almost sweeping the world nowadays in terms of really tapping into that, what makes you unique and what makes you stand out. And, and it's you, I mean, it's your insights, it's your dreams, it's your visions. And, um, it's also one of the other many things I love about you is the fact that you're a fellow yogi Um, and there's a lot of, you know, there's a little bit of an overlap between consciousness and creativity and yoga. Um, I know that when you were in New York city, you practiced with Marcos Rojas. Um, so yeah, I love your writings about his style. He teaches a transcendental method of involution to achieve evolution, to bring us in contact with our layers of existence, koshas, and to realize awareness and consciousness necessary to experience sukha which is a Sanskrit word, which means happiness or pleasure or bliss. Yes, um, he's wonderful. I, if you are um, 
if you ever get a chance, take a class. <laughs> I, I'm dying to. Um, yeah. Since you did study under him, how did you, do you find that the method of involution helps bring evolution? Yes, yes, because um, I think that we're so, um, you know, we're, I hate to use the word bombarded because I don't mean it in an aggressive manner, but um, uh, for now, we'll just use it. We're so bombarded with um, articles online and clicks that lead to clicks and hyperlinks and, um, uh, you know, everything being available on our smartphones. And, and, and some of it is really good stuff. So it's not even that it's just junk information. But when we're constantly reading other people's thoughts and we're constantly reading other people's opinions and, um, you know, it's you get you're so far removed from what you think. Um, so much of what people are thinking or sh writing or think that they're thinking, that's their own thinking is actually, you know, um, summarized version of you know, everything they've been reading that day or that week or, you know, everything affects that we absorb in kind of like, um, you know, sunlight or smog or rain, it, you know, lotion, <laughs> it gets inside our skin. So, you know, words are no different. And um, so involution, you know, some kind of practice, it can be running, it can be yoga, it can be just sitting still, you don't even have to do anything extensive to just being able to connect with just yourself and dropping the persona of wanting to share that experience. I think that's the hard part um, because we're always wanting to share the experience uh, and which is very good. But sometimes um, with the last two years, I there was just a lot of things that I was experiencing that I couldn't necessarily uh, share for a variety of reasons. And I think that it has given me a perspective that I didn't have before. Um, I just, you know, just, uh, you know, thinking, oh, I've gone through something happy. Let me share it or negative. Let me share it um, in whatever way. It doesn't have to be instant. You can think about it. But um, involution happens when we just kind of drop everything um, and just want to experience that moment, that pose, you know? Yeah, just experiencing the now. It, and, and sometimes experience the now is just sharing that moment oh my God, let me share this with you, you mm. know, you know, so it's not like, you know, there's like, there shouldn't be like a fight against sharing the now with someone else. <laughs> um, or, you know, so like my family that we all have, you know, we use, um, you know, some app like, a, oh yeah, I think it's, yeah, Telegram and we are all just only only immediate families on there and we share stuff all the time or, or text messages, you know, those still work. Um, but um, so you want to share. I think it's human nature to share. But I think going back to what you originally said, involution leading to evolution, I think some of our biggest milestones of our growth, uh, I don't think we can share if we're actually growing. I agree, especially because one of the things that you're taught in yoga is to get rid of, like, to try to do away with the ego. And I think that... <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I think that with social media, it makes it almost impossible to really cut to the root of who you are, because if you're constantly sharing who you are, because that's really not who you are. Do you agree? Yes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And just like, you know, and um, most of the friends that I have that I know who, you know, will share on Twitter or I, I don't have Facebook, but they will mention 
no one is talking about, you know, no, you know, like no one's cursing up or like talking about something really drastic happening. Um, you know, they may complain, they may um, share if they're down. Um, but most people, you know, I think are, they're, they, they are filtering and they are conscious that they are. And I don't think that anything's wrong with that. I don't think we, you know, just like we don't want to see people's photos of people's food every two minutes. We, you know, I think we don't want to see every thought either. Um, so, yes, but very true. I think that people, you know, it's, it's very curated how we are on there. It's a love-hate relationship. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I mean, you know, if it wasn't for the internet, I would not have... Uh, found um, you. I, if it wasn't for the internet, I would not have uh, been able to uh, go through the entire editing process uh, with McNally Jackson, the back and forth. Uh, it would have taken so much longer. So yeah, I'm, I mean, I think it's a wonderful thing. And, um, and I do, I, I still believe it's a very powerful tool. Um, although, you know, we're already misusing it as if you know, no different than how we drive, which is very carelessly. And I think you really need, it comes down to mindfulness and, and being aware of yourself and your truth and how you're expressing yourself and being real. And, and I think this goes hand in hand with, you know, consciousness and yoga practice and meditation. And you even write in one of your posts, and I quote, one thing you learn if you have a consistent yoga practice is how often your body and emotions shift in a given 24 hours. Yes, yes, that's the truth. <laughs> yes, it's true. We're just, uh, you know, we're experiencing so much as if you're like a, you know, kind of like uh, you're the cloth and, you know, you're just soaked in through emotions and they kind of come and go through you, you know, you're damp always with emotion, I think. <laughs> Do you find that yoga has made you more aware of your emotions and, and how does this awareness affect your writing? Uh, yes, it has made me, um, you know, um, I think the the biggest way it has impacted my writing is that um, to not be afraid to go into that space where there are no answers. And, uh, you know, uh, going back to my Still Sundays, I don't think most people know that, you know, the first two pages of what's on what I write on Still Sundays, I never share because they're just, they make no sense. Um <laughs> You know, or they are just unrelated. They're just coming from such a place of ego or they're coming from a place of uh, wanting to explain or, or why don't you make a point or whatever. I have to, you know, you know, and then when I go back and see what has happened after an hour of writing versus hour two or hour three, you know, it becomes kind of like how in the, in the practice, the longer you stay in the practice, the more, you know, the deeper you go compared to, oh, I don't want to do this today or oh, I don't want to be, I'm not in the mood or gosh, you know, my, you know, my knees are hurting or something like that, you know? And then by the time, you know, Shavasana, the death happens, you're just like, you know, you're like, okay, I can kind of see everything anew again. I'm gone. Whoever I was, I'm not that person anymore. I'm very grateful for the seven or eight years of practice under Marco Rojas because I had such a strong practice that the effects of the practice have last have become part of who I am, even if I'm not practicing. That being said, I am now, you know, uh, I haven't been able to practice as regularly 
and as uh, much on my own. So the next step, step in my journey is that, can I get to that place on my own? Can I get there on my own? And of course, the answer is, of course you can, but it also requires practice. And so I'm looking forward to that. To doing more of a home practice? I would say, I guess I'm more of a home practice in addition to going to classes. Because, you know, my, my brother, he teaches yoga. He knows that he's, other than Marco, he is the only other teacher that just leaves me in awe of, you know, uh, how is somebody able to instruct you to, without even touching you, to instruct you to how to put your body in a manner that may, makes everything align to clarity, you know? Um, and uh, his name is, uh, he goes by Yogi Zane, and um, he's in the Bay Area, and he's just phenomenal, and he's a very big influence on me. And to him, it's just a natural. He's, every, every piece of furniture is a prop to him. Mm. Uh, you know, like a uh, couch is a prop. The, the sidewall is a prop. You know, this, the desk is a prop. Everything is a prop. So to be in that state of mind that, you know, you don't need a mat and a time and stuff at any given moment, you could do a pose. You can align yourself at any given moment. So that's kind of what I'm trying to get to now. <laughs> Yeah, just to exist in that space where, like you said, where there are no answers, but be okay with that and breathe into that space and see what comes about. Yes, exactly. And sometimes what comes about, you know, is um, really exhilarating. And sometimes it's very, um, it's very simple. And you're like, oh, duh. (laughs) (laughs) So what does future work look like for you? What are you working on now? I'm working on two different short stories that I would like to um, submit to a couple of um, magazines and uh, something that, you know, I have, you know, I haven't submitted much of my work um, to um, outside like magazines and stuff. And I think that one of the things, one of the reasons is because you really have to find a magazine, a literary magazine, you know, a journal that kind of speaks to you. Um, you can't, I can't expect Magazine X to publish something of mine when I don't even read Magazine X, no matter how good of a journal it is. So um, I have been looking for something that I think that, you know, t- truly resonates with me. So I found a bunch of those now. And so I'm working on a two um, short stories. And actually, I'm working on, a, well, I thought it's going to be a children's book. Um, I mean, you know, middle grade um, novel, but you know that get, that remains to be seen because of voice. Um, something I can't, you know, I can't force is voice. If the character is coming to me um, as somebody more mature than, let's say, a middle grade or young adult fiction, then even if the character is twelve years old, then so it is. But um, so yeah, but that's something I'm working on. I have. Um, I'm very excited about it, and hopefully, um, hopefully, lots of good stuff to share. Um, you know, by the end of the year, but it's a long process, as you know. <laughs> yes. In the meantime, where can listeners find you online? Oh, they can find me on Twitter. My account is um, so you know. Um, so underscore you underscore no. Um, yeah, and then my website for now, and it's uh, anniesaya.com. And uh, I'm actually working on a very big education project for teachers, um, parents, but especially children to be able to um, share their 
to, to gather their views and connect everybody called the um, realthinkingtree.com. Uh, it's not up yet. should be in the next week or so. And um, just a forum for um, me sharing my practices, but also to connect um, uh, teachers with parents and also uh, to, to create a forum where we can hear what students have to say about all this jibber-jabber talk about the test and reading and this and that. I don't think uh, there's very few um, people sharing what children actually think. So um, as long as I continue to work with, um, you know, young minds, I, want, I wanted to create a space for that. I yeah. am truly honored to have you on my show, Annie. It's such a pleasure to talk with you. And thank you so much for joining me. Yes, thank you so much for this opportunity. And I think it's so wonderful what you're doing. And um, really appreciate that you would think of me. And uh, that means a lot. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening to The Art of Humanity. Please follow us on Twitter at It's Jessica Ann. Join us next week with your host, Jessica Ann. Evolve your business with The Art of Humanity. <laughs>